But even in preparing for Ephesians, I was actually counting the pages today. Um, by the time we're done with Ephesians, I would have read like 500 pages in terms of just commentaries. And that was just only for the first chapter. Um, with Because I also think the reason why is also there's a lot of gold. There's a lot of truths that's in Ephesians. Let me read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16. The second half of verse 16 to the second half of verse 18 is going to be our focus today. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16, second half to verses 18, second half. And this is really the focus is for prayer for believers' knowledge is the theme. Okay, That among the many things we pray for, we should pray for believers' knowledge. Let me just read Ephesians 1, verses 16 to 18 first. I'm going to pick up where it says, While making mention, while making mention of you in my prayer, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge and in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Okay. Um, looking at this, today's uh, focus, our main uh, purpose will be about prayer for other believers knowledge in God okay let me ask you guys a question when you guys pray when you guys do pray for others not just only for our own life what do you guys pray for people's life what do you guys pray for other people's life just think about it for a moment uh, I think if you might be like me um, I think I pray a lot for other people's prayer requests than even my own just because you know there's people right more people and and things like that and when we pray for, it's often based upon what people's prayer request is, what they are going through, what they need. And even Mrs. Burton shared um, their salvation. That's good, right? Um, and even all things or, or dealing with their problems or their finance or their physical needs or for their well-being, all of that. But I want to ask this is because I see what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 16 and 18 challenges me and also the rest of Ephesians 1 is also not just only pray for those things that I mentioned, but here specifically the focus on the end of Ephesians 1 16 onwards is really to pray for believers knowledge. It's a pray for believers' knowledge. Now, if you ask me if I ever pray anything about knowledge, I pray for my own knowledge to be able to understand God's word. I pray, for instance, for even non-believers that I'm witnessing to, that they will come to know God in a way that's saved. Okay, I think we pray for that. But when was the last time you actually sat down and prayed very intentionally, not as indirectly? Sometimes I do pray for people's knowledge, but it's really in the context of, oh man, they don't understand this, this apply for their truth. God, help them help them understand this, this truth of grace or whatever. But when it was the last time you specifically pray with no agenda, any other strings attached, surely that they would grow in their knowledge of God. Surely that they would know in the knowledge of God. Now let me say this real quick. Knowing God would have application for our lives. Knowing God will always have application in our lives. You guys remember two, uh, three weeks ago when we looked at just an overall view of Ephesians? We saw part of the overall view of Ephesians is that what? There is doctrines in the first three chapters and always there's application. So when I say this, I'm not saying so much that there's no application. But when was the last time you prayed that for them to know God as just the means and also the end? That God wants us as our goal is mainly to know Him uh, first before anything else in life. Right? It is important to put food on the table. It is important to care for others, yes. But before anything else is to know God and therefore everything else flows from that. Okay? 
So today, if you're taking notes, we're going to see today three points. Okay, how many points? Three points, okay? Concerning, regular, uh, concerning regularly praying for believers' knowledge of God. Okay? Um, we're going to see three points concerning regularly praying for believers' knowledge of God. Um, the way I divide these three points, okay, is the, the following. Number one, if you're taking notes, pray for other believers that God will reveal Himself to them. Okay? Pray for other believers that God will reveal Himself to them. Okay? Again, we're modeling our prayer after that of the Apostle Paul. Okay? This is found in verses 17. Let me say this again. This is found in verses 17. Pray for other believers that God reveal Himself to them. Okay? Pray for other believers that God reveal Himself to them. That's found in verses 17. Uh, second point. Second point is going to be now based upon the second, uh, the first half of verse 18. Second point is pray for other believers that they under, can understand, that they can understand knowledge of God, okay? That they can understand the knowledge of God, okay? Let me say this again. Point number two is pray for other believers that they can understand the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. This is found in uh, verses 18, the first half, okay, where it says, I pray that the eyes of your uh, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, okay? That's the second point. Pray for other believers that they can understand the knowledge of God. Okay? And a third point is pray for others believers knowledge of God regularly, okay? Pray for other believers knowledge of God regularly and this is taught in the second half of verses 16. Uh the second half of verses 16, okay? <clears throat> Let me review this real quick, what, what, what's going on. Remember, the Bible is like a puzzle piece. You don't look at it in isolation. It's always saying, well, how does it connect with the rest of the flow, okay? Uh, two weeks ago, because remember last week we had Mother's Day, right? Uh, two weeks ago when we were looking at Ephesians, when we were looking at Ephesians, we saw that in Ephesians 1, the second half, there's a focus on Paul's prayer. And what we saw uh, two weeks ago, the three points, just a reminder of uh, three weeks ago, or uh, two weeks ago, is we saw that we need to thank God, okay, for other believers. Uh, what we thank God for, those three points last time, was we thank God for other believers' faith, uh, thank God for other believers' love, and we must thank God uh, re- uh, for other believers regularly, okay? Um, where it leads up to verses 16. Actually, in verse 16, there is a strong emphasis stated more than one ways about praying regularly for others, okay? In terms of not only Thanksgiving, what we saw last week, but even what we see in verses 16 about making mention of others. He's making prayer requests. And of course, the content of prayer requests is in verse 17 to 18, okay? So it's in light of this, I think this is helping us to learn to pray to God more, okay? To pray to God, to be able to understand Him more. Um, And this is where we see, hopefully this will challenge us to say, hey, let's pray for the knowledge of other uh, other believers' knowledge of God. We pray for our own growth in knowing God and also as well what? Uh, in terms of terms of knowledge, okay? Uh, if you guys can, uh, I, I, before we dive into this, I want to actually turn real quick to the words of Jesus in John chapter 17. If you guys could turn with me real quick. John chapter 17, verses 3. I want to show you before we go into dive into the details of praying for others, just why, how important is knowledge of God? This is going to be from the words of Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died for you and I. This is, how, this is what He's going to tell us, though, how, much, how valuable is knowing God. Okay, how valuable is knowing God? John 17 verse 3 says this. 
This is eternal life. This is eternal life. Go ahead. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Okay, and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you. Okay, so here notice Paul, not Paul, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, what he tells us is eternal life. He tells us eternal life for, if you, if you, if you ask me what is eternal life, I think most of us will probably say, probably similar to what my answer will be, eternal life means after you die, you go to heaven and you live forever. Now, is that technically correct? The answer is yes, okay? But Jesus Christ's meaning of eternal life is more richer than that. That's true. That's part of eternal life. But even also as well, it is what it says in verses 3. What? That you may know the only true God. Okay? Do you guys see that? To know God and also the fact that Jesus Christ was sent to die for our sins. Okay? Now, in light of this definition, let me ask you guys this question. If you're a believer, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you have eternal life now? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Not only because we believe that you will one day live forever because you trust in Christ and Christ died for you, but also right now, at the very moment when you've trusted in Christ, if eternal life means really knowing Him, is really a relationship with Him, our eternal life has actually begun at the moment you got saved. Okay. So when I placed my trust in Jesus Christ on April 4th, 1999, eternal life began for me then. Okay, and then it goes on forever, right? The moment you've known Him as Lord and Savior, according to this, this is how important eternal, uh, 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 this is how important knowledge of God is. It's described as even eternal life, okay? So in light of this, in light of how important it is, we're saved not only to, um, listen, God didn't just merely die for us to give us a ticket to go to heaven. Listen, God didn't just merely, the Bible doesn't teach, He just merely died for us just so that we avoid hell, Okay? Just merely that He avoid hell, for we to avoid hell. That is true. He died for us so that because of our sin, He would not judge us in hell because of His love and His grace and His mercy. That is true. But Scripture's main emphasis is not so much we're merely, merely saved from hell, but it's really that we would love Him, we would know His love, and He would love uh, us, and that we would also love Him back and know Him as a prerequisite of loving Him. Okay? So it is in this light, seeing how important eternal life is, or, or knowledge of God is, as comparative as even eternal life, we should see, definitely, this should season how we pray for others, specifically praying for believers, okay? So turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1, okay? We're going to see our point number 1. We're going to see our point number 1 is pray for other believers that God... Uh, will reveal himself to them, okay? Verses 17, I'm going to read verses 17. It says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may himself give uh, to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, okay? We see in this verse that Christians' primary, primary need is to know and appropriate uh, the knowledge of God, Okay? Uh, you see that the primary focus for a Christian is actually to know God, okay? Is to know God, okay? Um, so we see this, okay? Uh, notice it begins in verse 17 with the word that, which actually now is verse 16 earlier. Paul just says, hey, I make mention of you. Not only do I thank God for you regularly, but I pray for specific prayer requests. Now we ask the question, what is Paul praying regularly for the church in Ephesus? By the way, remember, Paul's in prison. 
and he's praying regularly for these believers. Okay, so we want to know what does he pray for, and the first thing you see as a content in verses 17 is really that they would know more deeper God. Now, for some of us, we would say, oh wait, believers already know God. That's true. We do know God. But he's saying to grow, really to grow knowing God more deeper. How? How do we know God more? And the first part in verses 17, when we pray for others to know God more, we pray to God that He reveals Himself to us, okay? That He reveals Himself to us, okay? Notice the phrase, it says God, and then it also has a, a wording, phrase of the Father of glory. So this shows who specifically God is, who specifically we're praying to, which is God the Father, okay? God the Father. And notice the request. Notice what is the specific request. It says, quote, May give to you a spirit of wisdom and of knowledge in the knowledge, uh, in the revelation, in the knowledge of Him, okay? If you just look at that phrase, you see that there's actually different terms that's used that relates to knowledge, that relates to knowing someone, okay? Knowing specifically God. For, for instance, you see the word, what? Wisdom. You see the word revelation. Revelation means you're revealing something. You're disclosing something about yourself. Specifically here, God disclosing something about who He is to us. And also the word knowledge, okay? Uh, the word knowledge, okay? Paul is asking God the Father to give the Holy Spirit here so that we would actually know Him, okay? To actually uh, know Him. But when he says give the Holy Spirit, I don't think he's saying that, oh, believers walk around with no Holy Spirit, therefore we have to regularly pray for the Holy Spirit to be in us. I think what he's trying to say when he says give the Holy Spirit is saying the Holy Spirit lives in us already. We already saw that in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, earlier in Ephesians. But now it's saying, hey, now that the Holy Spirit lives in us, he's praying, God, could you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in these believers' life, in the church in Ephesus, so that they will grow in their knowledge of God, okay? What is being asked for specifically is knowledge of Him. Let me say this again. What is asked specifically, Paul's specific prayer request, is knowledge of Him, okay? Say this after me. Knowledge of Him. Okay? Knowledge of Him being knowledge of God, okay? Um, Paul is praying that they would uh, know God. I think from this verse, we should see that this knowledge of God, uh, first and foremost, we should never say we know enough about God. Okay? Uh, in light of this verse, in light of the fact that Paul um, is praying for this church in Ephesus. And by the way, this church Paul ministered probably for two years or so in this church. And this church has been around for a little bit. This is one of the early church, one of the early ones that got saved. Um, it's a recipient of many letters in the Bible. Okay? Not only the letter of Ephesians, you see, uh, I think very likely, 1st, 2nd, 3rd uh, um, John is written to the church in Ephesians. You see in Revelation, one of the seven churches that it's written to, the book of Revelation, is also to what? The church in Ephesus. Yet in light of all this, in light of them getting so much of God's word, we see that what? No one could ever say, including the Ephesians, to say, hey, you know what? We know a lot already. We don't need to know God. We already have the book of Revelation. We know about end times. We know about God's sovereign grace in the book of Ephesians, right? We know about that. How do we deal with false teacher? We got Second John. We know that if we are saved, how we should live our life. How do we know we're Christian from first? No, he doesn't stop there. He says, but I want that you would know deeper. And by the way, some of those books came after Paul wrote Ephesians. And I think God answered Paul's prayer requests by even allowing other books of the Bible to be written to them so that they would grow 
in the knowledge of Him. Okay, So we see here, Paul's prayer is for their knowledge to teach us we should never say, Oh, we know God enough. Also, from this verse, we should see another amazing truth is this. Knowledge of God is available for all people. Listen, knowing about God is available for what? All people. In other words, knowing God is not just only something that's only the exclusive rights of apostles, of prophets, or even pastors, or even only a few Christians. Listen, God wants all of us to know Him deeper. God wants all of us to know Him deeper. This is why Paul is praying for regular, everyday church in Ephesus, okay? Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I'm going to be a betting man, if I was a betting man, if I were to bet with the question, who would know more knowledge um, in terms of just general knowledge? I'm not talking about God, knowing God. Who would be more intellectually um, smarter, the church in Ephesus or the church at TCAC today? In terms of people. Now, I don't think I'm saying this pridefully. I think in terms of knowledge, we have a lot of knowledge today. Okay? We have a lot of, in terms of human knowledge. I mean, some of you guys are, what, going to school right now, right? Uh, college, right? I'm, I see Anthony's face. He, he's in college right now, right? School is easy for him. It's just A. He's just A. Dropping A's like, like it's going out of style. Okay? Look at his smile. Okay, um, some of you guys are, 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 you know, what, finished college, right? Working in grad school, right? Farm D, I'm looking at uh, Hui, right? He just finished his finals that we've been praying for. Okay, some of you guys finished grad school, right? Uh, all these knowledge of the world, of how things works, criminalistics, everything else, right? Um, just even artistry, the uh, skillfulness of art. You know, all these knowledge, everything else, right? The skill set that's in TCC is incredible. But I would also say when it comes to knowing God, I don't know necessarily. This is where, okay, hey, this is not pride kicking. This is reality. It's like, hey, did the church of Ephesians know more about God than us? I don't know about that. That's kind of hard to gauge because we don't know their heart. There's only so much we know, right? And churches go through seasons in life. I'm bringing up this to say is this. I'm, what I'm trying to bring up is saying is this. May it never be that we think just because we know things outside world, somehow that means we automatically know the things of God. Automatically. Can I say this? I think in any field, the more you know about something, you realize the less you what? Know, right? Okay. Now I was watching, um, I was watching clips of C-SPAN uh, uh, on YouTube. What's his name? Dr. Fauci. You know, the guy that's in charge of NIH. Okay. Um, I've been so fascinated with immunology, just reading about it, it just to me, it just blows my mind. This is like, um, this is not my world. But I was watching, as I was, I mean, this guy, uh, as I'm watching him, I'm also realizing, hey, there's, he's saying a lot of things he doesn't know. Now, I don't know if you guys know how much he is. I, I know there's a lot of conspiratorial stuff out there, and maybe he's wrong, and he's admit there's some things he doesn't know, and doesn't, and all stuff. But you guys have to understand that this guy is actually really, really smart, okay? When, uh, when AIDS first was, when they were still working with AIDS, he was actually one of the leading scientists that was actually working understanding of all of that. I mean, this guy's been doing his thing for a long time, okay? And he's actually, even before he's been in charge of anything in ministry, he's been breaking barriers of just studying the, how the immune system and human body work. I mean, this guy's amazing. Beyond points, I don't even read into point like, okay, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm bringing up as a say is this. Just bring him up, just watching this interview with, with uh, you know, with, uh, with people asking him questions. 
is I think that you discover that people that are very smart also realize, hey, there's some things I know, and there's the area that's not my area I don't know, and I need other experts, okay? You see this universally in every sphere, okay? You see in this military world with the highest generals, they're saying, hey, this is where it's no longer my world. I need guys that are specialization in, in, in foreign policy, to guide me, okay? Same thing, any uh, any field, right? Uh, pharmacists also as well, there's guys that say, hey, this is, I'm not an uh, immunologist, if that's a word, right? But this is where we need those guys to come in. Or uh, or uh, farm law, we need a guy that's a JD, right? I'm bringing this to say this, when you, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. So in knowing about God's word, don't say, okay, I know God enough, and therefore I don't need to grow in learning about God, okay? Uh, how do we know about God? The request here is asking the Spirit to reveal Himself, okay? Is the Spirit to reveal Himself. Just like we need an expert in every field to reveal things to us, we need God Himself. The best way to know God is what? God revealing Himself, right? Same way, if I want to know about my wife, do I just only read her Facebook? No, okay? There's not a lot of information there. <laughs> okay, my wife's laughing, okay? But I want to know her with her talking to her, with her revealing himself, okay? I don't even read my text, okay? Because if you look at my text, the ones that we have the broken communication the most, um, I, text I don't respond to, or she doesn't, is myself with her. Because I just see the text and say, oh, I'm going to go to her right away, okay? I'm bringing up to say is this. We, in order for us to know God, we need God to reveal himself to us, okay? And by the way, when we pray to God to reveal for us, we already know He's already revealed to us. We're praying according to God's Word. Whenever the prayer we pray for, you want your prayer to answer 100%, pray according to God's Word. We already saw earlier in Ephesians 1 that the Spirit lives in us to work in us. So Paul is praying in light of that for now the Spirit to reveal Himself to us, to be our teacher, if you will. Okay. By the way, looking in verses... 17, remember Paul's praying, hey God, could you help reveal this church more about yourself? Do you even see in verse 17, there's already so much truths even about God? Do you see that even in verse 17, that all three members of the Trinity is mentioned? The Father is mentioned as the Father of what? Father of glory, okay? You also see, for instance, also as well, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the Spirit. So all three members of the Trinity is mentioned. I'm just going to go over this real quick. Um, the tr phrase Father of Glory is fascinating because outside of the Bible in ancient times, um, that's the only title that's ever used for the God of the Bible. No other religion. Like there's other things, right? Like um, Egyptian religion used Lord of Heaven and Earth. That's also in the Bible. Okay, But this is a term that's unique to God. And it, a lot of times when you see God's glory being called God of Glory, Father of Glory in the Old Testament is often in the context of what God revealing Himself. Okay, um, you also see, for instance, the phrase "Our Lord Jesus Christ." In fact, in Ephesians one, within three verses, we see it mentioned that Christ is identified a second time as what Lord. Okay, what does this mean, Lord? Is emphasize what number one that He is Master. And I think that He is God also as well. So even in the midst of Paul's prayer, he's already revealing contents of truth that we can learn about God, okay? And of course, the Spirit, okay? By the way, throughout the book of Ephesians, while Paul's point is not to prove the Trinity, he assumes you already know what the Trinity is, and he's invoking it often. We saw this earlier in chapter 1, right? One, one, Three, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, but it's going to be all throughout the rest of Ephesians, okay? In chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 also as well, where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is mentioning uh, within proximity. So as application, as application for our first point, 
that we pray to God to reveal Himself to other believers, to grow more in that knowledge. This is the application. Number one, in your prayer life, do you also pray for the Spirit to teach other believers to know deeper God? I think most of us, when we pray about knowing God, we often pray for non-believers, yes? And we should. We definitely should. I love what Mrs. Burns said earlier, praying for salvation of others. We pray for that. But also, after praying for them to know God in a salvific way, to be saved, I think it's also good to pray for the believer's knowledge. I'm going to be honest. I was convicted preparing this because I normally don't pray directly for God, people, our church, to know God deeper. I do pray for believers to grow. I do pray for that, uh, to grow in spiritual maturity. But it's never really the focus um, recently to, for believers to actually know God deeper. So in light of this, I think we should definitely pray for that, even in our prayer requests, okay, also as well. And sometimes when you see people's problems in their life, is actually what it is, is them not applying the truth of them knowing God. And therefore, we need to pray that they grow deeper in knowing God and therefore spills over as application of seeing stress, worry, and everything in light of the deep knowledge of who God is, what He's done, and His promise, okay? Second application question. Do you realize you and everyone else need to grow in knowing God? Okay. If you feel like you know a lot, one of the best way to find out how much you know is what? The best way to always test how much you know is to teach. Sure or not? Okay. The best way you uh, to see how much you know is uh, is to teach it, okay? By the way, um teach in more than one way, okay? Teach more than one way. Um, just this past week, this past week, um, you guys know some of my teaching ministry, right? We went over Lighthouse. We went over what theme? About the purpose of prayer, okay? Tuesday, you guys know that right now I'm teaching a class overseas, okay? Um, every week is supposed to be for three and a half hours, but every week it spills over to what? Four to four and a half hours because of all the questions, okay? And we're going over really deep uh, doctrines of salvation, and I'm dealing with what I think is probably the most brightest, smartest student um, that I've ever taught all over Asia and even in the U.S., okay? Just the incredible questions they ask about the Greek and Hebrew um, and syntax and everything else. is like, wow, like it makes me salivate. It's stretching my muscles, theological muscles, okay? Then earlier, also this past week on Friday, I taught on another subject uh, for a Facebook apologetics group, um, where we looked at uh, apologetics and we were dealing with a lot of things with um, theology and philosophy, okay? I was really humbled because along the guys that were teaching was a guy that's working on his PhD in philosophy, okay? And I realized as much as I love philosophy, that's not my specialization, okay? So as we're going over this, I realized, wow, um, you know what? In light of all this, I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. You never know how much you don't know until you start teaching, right? Then you're being stretched in every way, okay? And I also want to encourage you, don't just only teach others, or just, oh, go to deep stuff. But one of the most challenging times sometimes to teach is my own little kids. When I have my kids sitting in the dining room, okay? And they ask, Dada? Is it yes? I have a question. Is it yes? 
what is whatever and then they're asking all these questions right and then when they're asking these questions for instance i don't know where my daughter uh, i think hannah overheard me using the word epistemology right um and she's saying what it is i can't use complex word you have to explain things what at that level okay oh the girls are so, uh, doing that hip hip array for epistemology okay what is that so we, we need to explain things in simple terms for people to be able to understand what i'm trying to say is this you know in all of these things when you share the gospel sometimes yeah there's other believers ask really deep questions like, and you can use technical terms um that shorthands for things but i think also as well sometimes even non-believers ask really sharp questions right where questions like man i don't know because they're, they're not assuming a lot of things. You're like, well, how, how, is, how am I going to explain this? Or is that, wow, I didn't even think of this. Because we're used to certain patterns of thinking as a belie- uh, believer. I'm bringing this up to say is this. Sometimes we think when, sometimes if you feel like, oh, Jimmy's teaching is too weak or, or whatever. Or another preacher or online. This is where the time is like, hey, you're pregnant with knowledge. Go and teach somebody, okay? Go and teach somebody. And therefore you discover, oh, whoa, I don't know it all. And I still need to grow. Maybe if you feel like you know it all. When every time you hear God's word being preached, you say, I know. That means you need to go find someone to disciple. Find someone to tell something about too, right? Call one of the church kids, right? Call one of the kids that we don't see and, and, and pour into them, right? Or someone in your life, okay? Someone in your life and say, hey, I just let's talk about the things of God, okay? And you discover, hey, I need to grow deeper in the knowledge of God, okay? In the knowledge of God. Let's go to the second point as application. Let's go to the second point of application. Uh, for the first one is pray uh, for other believers that God will reveal himself to them. The second point is synonymous, but there's slight difference. Is The second point is pray for other believers that they can understand knowledge, the knowledge of God. Pray for other believers that they can understand, that they can understand the knowledge of God. This is found in the first half of verses 18, okay? Um, some of you guys might say, whoa, this is very similar to point number one. This is very similar. What we find in verses 18 is very similar to verse 17. It is similar in the sense that both is involved with the requests that believers will grow in knowing God more. We'll grow deeper in knowing God more, okay? Both are similar in that sense. But there's a slight difference in that verses 18 is not so much focusing on the Holy Spirit. Now it's focusing on the believer. That once the Holy Spirit revealed truth to us, that within the believer, they would be able to understand. Okay? Let me give an example, okay? Uh, for instance, let's just say you want to know about something. So you take a class, right? I don't know. Let's just say math, okay? You're taking a math class. Now... Just because there's a good teacher and hopefully you have a good teacher, does that mean every single student will be able to understand what's being taught? No, okay? Uh, of course, if everyone don't understand a teacher, that might be indicative that the teacher need to work on teaching. And part of teaching is knowing the situational awareness of where each student is at, um, their capacity, and what knowledge are you beginning with, and their modes of learning, etc. Okay? But the second point is also as well as important is you see the distinction uh, in order to know God, you need a good teacher, which is the Holy Spirit, ultimately. Okay, And secondly, also as well, uh, not only do we pray the Holy Spirit would be able to teach us, give us truth, and guide us to this truth and understanding, but also Paul's prayer now specifically that in, every individual believers would be able to comprehend, would be able to grasp that, would be able to uh, take it and apply it to their own heart. Okay, Comprehend means understanding. Okay, 
uh, Abigail, okay, means understanding or knowing things, okay? Knowing things not just in itself, the fact, but but a bigger picture, connecting with other truth, okay? Uh, with that. So in verses 18, notice it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, okay? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So this is praying for our intellectual uh, faculty to be able to what? To understand the deep things of God, okay? I want to go over these phrases because um, there's some words that are mentioned here that I think is worth our attention in verses 18. In the Greek, the first part is enlightened, okay? The word is enlightened. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to focus first on the organs that are mentioned. Two organs specifically of our organs that are mentioned is what? Eyes and what? Heart, okay? Eyes and heart, okay? Uh, and looking at the word eyes, um, first and foremost, when we think of eyes, right? We think of our eyes. Um, that's a way where we could, uh, uh, our organ that helps us see the world, okay? I think it's a very fitting one because it's through our eyes that what? Light flows into what? Our our who we are, what we see, and things like that, right? Well, really, when we're looking at things, is we're taking in light, okay? To be able to see the world around, we're taking in light. I think that's a very fitting um, illustration, analogy, to use the word eyes, because the Bible says that when we are not in Christ, in our own sin, we are in what? Darkness, okay? Uh, darkness is often associated with what? Sin and all that, right? Uh, one of the things I miss um, the last few weeks, and I, I, I feel like Mrs. Burton... I could relate a little bit, uh, maybe not the same as Mrs. Burton as we're praying for Good News Club, right? She's trying to reach out to all those kids. Um, you know what I miss a lot is actually, I didn't realize I miss a lot, is actually teaching the kids every Friday at an after-school program called Good Time Learning. As much as I love teaching great theology, apologetics, you know, acquaintance, philosophy, all of that stuff, the thing I love the most is sometimes teaching little kids because what? Man, um, and it's the most challenging Okay, I'm trying to use an illustration. Like, oh, it's not their world. Like, oh man, I need to go back and say, how do I make it more simpler? It's like, man, how? No other teaching, no one, no other group challenged me to think of illustrations like teaching little kids. And in fact, I think it's really thinking about little kids that make me think about my illustration the most, right? And I miss these little munch kids. Okay, I miss the little munch kids, even with all their misbehavior and everything else, right? One of the things sometimes I do from time to time to teach them our sinful nature to the kids is I say, okay, I'm going to turn off the light in this room. And as soon as I turn the room all dark, what do you think the kids are all doing? They're ah, running around, throwing things, all these kind of things. And I turn on the light, yeah, look at you, wretched sinner, in darkness, and all the things you do, right? Uh, you got to repent, okay? But anyways, but we see, of all that being said, is we are in darkness, but God has now made it where our spiritual eyes are open to see God's light, to see God's truth, to see God's goodness. So when it says here the word eyes, it's metaphorical to refer to the fact that now we could see God's light. God's light now is able to enter into us and is the source and the venue that flows into our heart, okay? Which then leads us to ask the question, what does the word heart mean? Okay, you guys see the word heart here? In the New Testament, this word appears quite a bit, at least 156 times. Um, there's one questionable uh, reference in 150 uh, 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 in Acts, okay, that may or not have been in the original, okay. But besides that, at least 156 times, okay. In all the use in the New Testament, it actually never talked about. It's never actually referring to the actual organ, 
you know, the one that beats heart. It's have always been used in a metaphorical sense. Um, what is the metaphorical sense it's used is actually refer to who we are, the inside of us that is able to think and is able to uh, reason. Okay. Now I know today when we hear the word heart and mind, we often think the brain and the mind is what the organ that's intellectual. Yes. And we think of the heart as what things that are emo or not uh, emotional. Okay, not emo. Right. When we think someone is um, a sad heart, right, or broken heart. Or I love you with all my heart. We often think of feelings and all of that. Um, in terms of Greek thought and even Hebrew thought, the word heart actually for most of history, even like Egypt, okay, uh, Egyptian thought back then, in ancient thought, the heart was often associated with what we think of the brain, right? In terms of the intellect and all of that, okay? In fact, I, I think it's so funny, the Egyptians didn't think the brain was much. So when they mummify things, they just, huh, just throw that away. Okay, the part of the brain. Okay, um, so we see here um, in light of this, the heart here is referring to our, the moral and intellect part of our life. Really, is our thought thoughts. Okay, so what is saying here is what Paul is praying is that he's not only praying for God to reveal Himself, but he's also praying for us to understand by saying, "Hey, our eyes be open." So that once our eyes are open, then it's able we see God's light enter into us through our eyes, our spiritual eyes, so to speak. And then once it reach our brains or our heart, in this case, our mind, then we're praying. He's praying that God would be able for us to work in us so that we would be able to what? To understand, okay? Uh, looking at the word enlighten, okay? The word enlighten um, here is, I think, fascinating. This is actually passive tense. Um, what's fascinating about this is not saying that you are actively trying to Bring light to yourself. Though I think there's human responsibility, right? We need to read God's word. But it's actually passive. That is what Paul is praying is that when he, the focus of his prayer is that for our eyes and our hearts. But when he prays, he knows it's not only we ourselves are doing this. He's praying what is called in, in Greek a divine passive. That God himself is working in us to be able to receive God's light and receive God's truth. Okay? Um, the tense of this participle is fascinating too, in the sense that uh, in the Greek is what is called perfect tense. It's saying he's praying, saying that hey, he's not saying you've never have no light whatsoever. He's saying no. Once you're a believer, God has already given you light, but he's praying for the result to continue, to keep on the result to keep on coming in. Okay, the perfect tense is trying to say God has already done this in the past. But he's still, he's praying that he wants God to continuously bring about result, is what it's focusing, okay? Now next week, we're going to be focusing on what is the result that he wants. What is the result he prays for us to know, okay? That's going to be all the focus of next week, from verses um, 18, second half, all the way to 23, okay? But here, and you're going to see that there's three specific content, and it's not evenly split. One of them he's going to focus a lot more on, from verse 19 to 23, Okay, but here for now, we just see the importance for us when we pray for other people. It's not just only for God to be a good teacher, but for what? For all of us, God working our heart to be good students, so to speak, to be able to grasp and be able to understand and understand enough to apply for our lives. Okay, to apply for our lives. So as application, as application, uh, I think when we pray for others to know God, 
Pray also as well for them to be able to understand. Don't just pray for them just to know, but pray for them to understand enough to apply, to live it out with hope, okay? To live it out with hope. Um, even when you are reading God's Word, and I hope that's a regular discipline for us to spend time with God in prayer and in spiritual reading, including His Word and even other teachers, right? In other human books. That's based upon the word. Even when you see things that are new and grasp, I think that's important as application. Be thankful to God. Anytime you grasp things, listen, the more you know of God, the more you should be humble. I think it's an incredible irony that Christians, the more we know, we could be prideful. But if you understand the nature of God's knowledge, listen, if you understand the nature of God's knowledge, anytime you know something, it's God Himself disclosing Him to us. And also God working in our heart not to be stubborn, and to give us the intellectual capacity to understand. I think that should make us, of all people, very what? Humble, okay? You guys know that in our church, I am reformed, what is called reform. You know, like I believe in the high sovereignty of God. And it's unfortunate, I say this all the time, that some people, the more they know about, oh, God's sovereignty, the more they love arguing with people, other believers, Right is what we call cage stage Calvinists, okay? And I think it's very unfortunate that some people, when we know about these things, feel prideful. We need to fight, we need to argue, we need to do all this and that, okay? But the more we know should make us more humble, okay? And even more gracious, and even more challenged to say, hey, I want to pray for others to know, because this is something we should all know. Um, And also as well, to be humble that when we know something, it is God teaching us, by His grace, and by His mercy. So in light of this, when we pray for other people to know, um, I think that should also stir in us to be patient, okay? Even when you're trying to explain something, whether to a believer or non-believer, I think we should always be patient. And one of the ways, I think, to help us to be patient with others is when we see someone don't understand something, rather than just right away, just only look at that person and tunnel vision, say, hey, how come you don't get this, right? But to take a step back and say, you know what? I need to take a step back and pray to God for God's help for this person to understand, okay? Because, uh, you know, one of the things about teaching other people is everyone is different, true or not. Everyone learns very differently. I'm looking at all my three daughters, okay? Uh, each one of them, when I, whenever we teach something, we have them write things down. What did you guys learn? And sometimes I'm blown away what one daughter focuses on on the details, okay? It's like, wow, some is focusing on the technical how, like, how do things work? Others are focusing on the why, okay? And same thing, even when you are ministering to other believers, you'll hear sometimes people say crazy things, okay? But right, right away, sometimes be so quick to fight. I think sometimes they say, hey, uh, you pray to God, hey, God, help them understand and help me be able to understand this more better to explain in a way that's understandable for this brother or this sister also as well, Okay. Um, so pray uh, for other believers to understand. I think if you realize we could pray for other people, um, that for them to understand, that helps us the way we teach a lot, okay? In other areas, okay? For some of you parents, or parents so- soon to be parents, okay? Um, I still remember when I was teaching my daughters math. Uh, a few years ago, I was trying to teach them how to count money. And I didn't even think that, you know, n- pennies... Nickels and quarters are such abstract ideas. And I was like, you know, just add two quarters and you'll have 50 cents. 
right? 25 plus, and then we realize, oh, just because you know 25, 21, for them, it's just like, they can't associate that quarter. Then I thought, oh, you know what? Uh, we need to go slow, each coin at a time. And, you know, it's like, you're thinking, man, our mind understanding of sets, right, is amazing. So then you realize, I had to realize, well, we got to start with pennies. Pennies is one, 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 right? Then you teach nickels, and they're already getting confused. Like, Wait, how come there's seven coins? But there's now, what, uh, 13 cents. You're like, oh, yeah, well, this is five. So all that is to say, right? Then, but I think when you understand that, A, we could pray when you're teaching. As simple as, how come this is so hard to understand? Realize, hey, Lord God, help me be patient, but also help them be able to comprehend, right? So we need to pray for other believers, and that, I think, helps us to be patient with other believers, even when they don't know fully other things and say things that maybe sometimes are iffy and sometimes things that are downright false. Um, humility leads us to pray to God first uh, for them to understand and help pray... God to help us even explain it, okay? Let's go to point number three, okay? Point number three. Point number three is this. Pray for others' believers of knowledge of God regularly. Their knowledge of God regularly. It is not enough just to say, oh, I prayed one time for you. How come you still don't get it, okay? Um, I think it's important to pray to God regularly for believers' uh, knowledge, Okay? You know, sometimes when we're counseling people or when people come to us with problems and you know they're generally believers, there's no doubt they're non-believers. Like I say again, is sometimes what they're struggling with is actually the knowledge of God. Okay, Anytime someone goes through a problem, it's actually God has allowed that problem for a believer for accelerated discipleship. To be an accelerated student of learning the truth of God deeper and learning how to apply God's truth deeper. So in light of this, I think when you see sometimes even with people struggling with certain things, certain sins or certain difficulties, uh, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes what God is doing is actually a, letting you know to pray for them to grow deeper in the knowledge of God. And in light of that, I think we should regularly pray for believers' knowledge to grow in that more. Look with me in verses 16. We're going to go back. I know we were at verse 18, but we're going to go back, circle back to the second half of verse 16. Verse 16, there's an emphasis um, in the first half and the second half is their emphasis of praying regularly. Now, last two weeks ago, the sermon, when we looked at this, the first half I used that point to emphasize regularly is for being regularly thanking God, okay? But the second half, when he says, making mention of you, he's saying, oh, okay, I'm what he's saying is, I'm switching gear. I'm, no, I'm not focusing on Thanksgiving anymore. I'm now talking about my petitions, my supplication, what I'm praying for God to do in your life, okay? Um, if you see the word making mention, the word making is actually present tense. The Greek uh, function of the present tense is normally not saying, oh, right now. But the main function is actually to say something that is a regular habit. Something that you're doing habitually. Something that you're, you're, you're normally doing. Um, you're doing it not just once, but you're doing it as a pattern okay so when it says here making mention the word mention here by the way is referring to praying when you're praying you're remembering somebody okay you're remembering specific individuals when you're praying so when paul says hey i'm regularly thinking about you guys and i'm praying for your prayer requests of course we see the content of that in verses 17 to 18 which we've broken down and gone through and digested hopefully 
Here he's saying, hey, I'm normally praying for you as a habit to pray for you to know God, okay? To pray for you to know God. By the way, it goes on when it says, making mention of you. What does the next three words say? In my prayers, okay? Let me ask you guys this question. Prayers, is it singular or plural? Singular, plural. It is plural, okay? Um, why plural? I think it's consistent with the word, the Greek verb earlier about making, being a regular thing more than once. And why plural prayers is saying, Paul is saying, I pray for you guys more than once. And I'm praying this as regularly and as a pattern in my life for you to grow and knowing about God, okay? So pray for others' believers' knowledge regularly, okay? Pray for believe, other believers' knowledge of God regularly. Uh, pray for God to reveal Himself. The Spirit would do His work as a good teacher in their lives, because the Spirit is the ultimate teacher in our lives. And secondly, also as well, secondly also as well, Pray for other believers' uh, knowledge of God that they would be able to comprehend, that they would be able to understand. Okay, I want to bring some application with this. Not only we should ask, do we regularly pray for other believers? Some of us, we don't pray for other believers regularly. So how can we even pray about for them to grow uh, deeper God's knowledge? But I think if there's anywhere to begin, is begin if you want to begin, the more God-centered your prayer is, the more likely your pattern of prayer will continue. So if you don't regularly pray for other believers' requests, like the ones we sent out of people's finance, people's school, hardship, family, salvation of loved ones, that kind of thing, maybe it begins here. Maybe God is ordaining that today, when you hear this, to say, hey, I need to pray regularly. I heard that two weeks ago, but now it says pray regularly again. Don't just say, oh, Jimmy's just repeating his point, just to have three points. But say, because the text itself is repeating this again, say, maybe... Today is the day I began to pray regularly for others by, number one, praying for them to know God deeper. Okay. By the way, it's also to our benefit. The more God's people know God deeper, the more what? The way they live out with the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, gentleness, patience, kindness, all, all of that Okay, flows more. So we benefit. Okay. When I pray for my wife to grow more in the knowledge of God, do I benefit? Yes. But that's not my primary motivation, just only for my own benefit. But I think we see there's good incentive to pray for others to know God deeper, okay? Also as well, pray for your own knowledge to grow deeper. Don't just only pray, God, grow me more, but also actively read, okay? Maybe one of the things that we could do with the coronavirus situation, maybe one of the things we could do when we work at home more or when we stay at home, or maybe we'll reduce ours. Remember earlier we saw John 17, 3? Knowing God is eternal life. Maybe, maybe I know, I, I, and I'm praying for our situation, so please don't take it this way that I'm not, I'm, I'm making light of their situation. Um, I, we do pray for the situation. Maybe, but maybe one of the reasons why God allows this moment is for us to what? Grow more one-on-one -on -one time of God. More, take this time. Um, in my own personal life, I'm taking this time to minister, yes, trying to teach more with the application of Zoom and that kind of thing, right? Um, my text, I think, has gone every week is like in the hundreds, much more so than before the virus because I'm not meeting with you guys, right? But nevertheless, maybe this is a time to say, you know what? 
There's that book. Rather than just saying, ah, Jimmy, every Christmas, all he ever does for my birthday and Christmas is get me another book, right? You, you know, I have my wife wrap it up and you open it and say, I don't need to see what it is. I already know it's another book. And then you put it in your bookshelf and collect dust. Maybe it's that time to say, you know what? That book Victor and Jonathan got for me for Christmas and my birthday. Maybe it's time that I finally go and read it all, okay? Read it all. Uh, I try not to use too many example of people, um, but I think from time to time it's uh, in, it good to encourage. Um, I'm really encouraged with our brother Derek um, this last year since he's graduated. Many things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for God in his life. Um, that God answered our prayers, that he's employed, working for the county, and now handling people's phone calls with things with coronavirus. But the other thing I'm thankful for this year is he started um, reading, actually more like December, I think, uh, reading a lot more, trying to read God's word, and even praying, prayer requests, you guys remember, is also pray that he would grow in God. One of the things he was telling me before the virus was like, hey, Jimmy, I'm trying to read a chapter of the one of the book, you know, those books that church people got him, a chapter a day, right? A chapter a day, and I was like, wow, that's pretty encouraging. That's pretty convicting. Uh, I normally don't finish a chapter a day. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Uh, it depends. Just reading so many books, right? Not necessarily one a day, right? But I was just encouraged. I was like, wow, that's a good goal. Okay, I'm encouraged. I'm bringing this up not as a sense of competition. Please, please understand. I'm not trying to bring in a competition. Just say that, hey. Is encouragement for all of us. We could read regularly. It doesn't have to be a chapter a day. Some of us, it could be just a page of the Word of God. You know, better to what? Better to read little than to read a lot. Better to read a little each day than to read a lot at each time and never do it again, right? It's just like exercising too, right? Better to what? Lift weights a little than rather than what? You're like, okay, oh, I need to lift weights, right? Lift three hours of weight. And then what? You kill yourself physically, and then you don't pick up weights for another three months, right? And then every time you pick up weights, you're injuring yourself, right? True or not? Principle. So taking it from the natural realm, better a little at a time and be consistent than be what? Than to read a lot and never read again. You read, say, oh, I'm going to stay up all night. You read all night. Next day, you're a zombie. Say, man, I'm not going to do that again, right? Your body says so, and your immune system says so, and you're probably, it's probably right. Okay, so start small, okay? And even then, when you finish accomplish something, you could always up it. So there's that confidence you have. Not confidence in yourself only, but in confidence in God working you. So you're working, and that's a motivation to grow with that, okay? So pray for God to also allow you to grow, okay? There's many areas. If there's many areas, and can I say this also as well? Uh, I know in American churches today, that sometimes we could be, we have so many good teachers. True or not? Right? So many good teachers, we have so we have the luxury sometimes to complain. Now, I know I'm very critical too. Let me say this real quick. After I say this, sometimes I say, oh yeah, you know, like we can't be critical to you guys. Then I start listening to sermons online. And I start, or, or reading books. Then I start zooming in. I say, hey, that, we can be new, more nuanced. We can be more careful. Hey, how come he didn't bring this verse? This is a really key verse. This is not just a peripheral verse. Um, oh, that's not, you know, the argument doesn't follow. Okay, he that doctrine is true, but his argumentation doesn't lead to that conclusion. I can make this better, that kind of thing. Okay, but you know, sometimes uh, there's a place I, I think we need to be critical, but sometimes I think as application, maybe what we miss, remember earlier what we saw in verses 17, our primary teacher is who the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe sometimes the problem why we're so critical of other teachers is the reason is that our main teacher is not the Holy Spirit, but it's rather well, is our whoever human teacher we have. But rather than faulting human teachers, sometimes I think the application might be is like, you know what? Maybe the reason why I have so much to complain is the only person I hear about teaching is only one teacher, Jimmy Lee or some person online, Paul Washer, or whatever else it is. Again, nothing wrong with those individuals. But maybe the reason why is we only we 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 do not go to God's word directly to learn from his word. And we don't go to the many teachers that God has given us. So we have a mixture, right? Think about it for a moment. Some of you guys are in grad school. If you only have one professor, you eventually realize what? Their limitation, yes? But rather, I think the best way to see it is God is the main teacher. But God's the main teacher teaches through many other teachers, yes, and also God's word directly. So go to number one, go to God's word directly. Make sure of all you're reading, you must read God's word directly. The commentaries is not God's word. But we could also have the other extreme thinking we don't read other people at all. That we are so super spiritual we can understand things without other teachers. That's not biblical either. So the second thing is also go to a diversity of using many other books, of many other authors, so that we could grasp God's word with many other teachers, that God teaches us through many others too. So in the same way, maybe the fault of why sometimes we don't we have so much a complaining spirit is we're actually not going to God's word more and going to more teachers, including dead teachers that have taught really well. In the form that they leave behind for us of what? Of books. So in light of this, pray for other believers' knowledge. Pray for your own knowledge of God to grow more. But after you do that, go beyond and apply this by what? Don't just be sufficient to pray, but also regularly go as a discipline. Take advantage of this time to go to God as a discipline. To grow in the depths and the truth of God. Okay? And and also as application, don't just pray for others to grow, but when appropriate, when appropriate, even grab another brother or sister, saying, hey, uh, to brother, brother to brother as peer, and saying, hey, I want to grow together. As this is what I'm learning. Brother or sister, what are you learning? Okay? Um, even for, uh, We should always be learning in three ways. Okay? We should learn from those more knowledgeable than us about God. We should, number two, learn from our peers, okay? Learn from our peers in terms of our capacity. And number three, we should also learn from those that um, might learn a lot more from us, okay? We should learn, uh, we should do all three, learning from, okay? Uh, For myself, learning about others, I often read in the form of what? That know more, that I could learn more from than I could teach them. It's usually in the form of books, okay? It's in the form of books. But I also learn from my peers, other master seminar guys, other guys I graduate with, whenever they send something on Facebook message to me or email, say, hey, Jimmy, take a look at this. Or, Jimmy, I recommend this. Or, what do you think of this? Or, or this is really good. You got to listen. I say what? I don't say, oh, you know, we know the same. It's like, no, hey, if they're being challenged and growing, that means I'm in the same level, same years of ministry. There's something, if it's ministering to them and their small local church, maybe minister to me too because we're like-minded and we're a situation similar. They say, oh, what did you get out of it? So usually when they say something, I ask them for the cliff note version. What did you get out of it? It says, oh, the more they show, like, huh, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna pursue this to have that experience myself. Third way, sometimes we don't think of this, is learn from those that might benefit more from learning from you um, than the other way. I think we should still think of it so that we don't become prideful. 
Uh, hopefully this Friday, for those that are the young men, who, the high schoolers in our church, hopefully this Friday we could begin our um, new booklet, biblical counseling booklet, where we go over about trials. And I'm excited because I want to hear how does God's Word apply to them. Now, I'm not going to go to the boys, honestly, to find out about how the heirs tense work in classical Greek and its implication for, um, I don't know, the heirs tense in Ephesians. That's probably not going to happen. But what I'm going to go to the boys to hear, and I'm eager to want to learn from them, is I want to hear this, how does God's word apply for them in their life? Then to remind me, hey, God's word applies for trials in my life in analogous situation also as well. I want to hear them so I could also be able to say, hey, I want to hear their lives so I could give that as illustration to who? My little daughters, okay? Who they're a little more closer in age than I am, right? So in the same way, do you see how we could always be learning from others, okay? Some of you guys email me, message me with questions. And I am eager to love those things, right? I'm eager on Lighthouse um, that, um, you know, um, Hui invited a friend, Leanne. She has so many questions, right? So many great young believers question. And it challenges me to look at Scripture afresh. So I'm learning in the midst even of her questions. Say, so, hey, that's a good way of thinking about it. right? So, oh, that's an interesting way. Wow, this making my mind stretch as I'm answering. So in the same way, we could always be growing, even as we're discipling. You never know how much you know. or You never know how much you, you don't know until you start teaching. So I want to encourage you guys. You might not necessarily be teaching a Sunday school right now. You might not necessarily teaching a Bible study right now with our church. But at the same time, we could always be discipling. Always be pouring over to another believer. Going to our kids, right? And saying, hey, you know what? I just want to open God's Word. Can I just speak this? And I also want to hear from you. I don't want it just to be a one-way street. I want to hear from you. What do you think about this? Okay? So the goal is we're always learning, okay? And by the way, everyone we could learn, even the people that twist Scripture. You know, some of the deepest theology I've ever learned, you know, is from who? Is from what? Is from people that attack my our faith, okay? Uh, is from people attacking, in light of the last few weeks, uh, last two weeks of teaching on Facebook groups apologetics, I've been asked to do my first debate in October on a subject I don't know as much about the historicity of Exodus. And I finally said, you know what? I'm going to stretch my Hebrew with that. I'm going to be with debate with an atheist. And I think back of like college, back in the day when Victor and I, we used to go to college, UCLA debating. Everything is like, yeah, those days I stretch, stretch myself like crazy. Okay? So I felt like I double majored in Christian theology while I was doing poli-sci. So in the same way, brothers, sometimes even those people that attack your faith, right? Don't, don't waste your critic, okay? Don't waste those that attack your faith. Now, I know we have to be wise. Sometimes we need to move on. But sometimes to say, you know what? I want to grow as an opportunity to go deeper also as well, right? And by the way, when you have that attitude, even those that attack you, you could always be more gracious by what? Hey, I'm going to learn from this person, right? You'll be much more disciplined. You'll be much more controlling, uh, uh, self-controlling. Self-controlling, okay, keyword. Much more self-disciplined, self-controlling, and patient when you understand that, hey, even with this person, I'm going to be learning from their challenges and their objections and them trying to get under your skin with some kind of argument, right? Or some kind of attack, okay? So in light of all this, pray for others to grow in knowledge and for us also as well. Uh, Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father God, help us, Lord, to pray for other people to know you more, but help us also as well to treasure 
the knowledge of God. I pray, Lord, as a result of this message, that we will redeem our time with the virus by actually reading solid books. But more importantly, we learn from you, from your word directly. Help us, Lord, to love you. I pray, Lord, for everyone's learning capacity um, would increase. And also, God, you, through the Holy Spirit, reveal greater truths that we would love you more. That we're not just intellectual, but we will love you because of what we learn. I pray for our youngest ones, with our kids, Rebecca, Abigail, Hannah, Emmeline, Lord, for, for Linda, for our boys, um, with Albert, Leo, with Hector, would grow in their knowledge of you, and Raymond, and even for all of us that are adults, would grow deeper in you, in knowing you. May we be a church that, that grow to know you more so we can worship you in mean, more meaningful words of praise and your attributes. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, um, you guys are not joining us for now. You can all say goodbye, unmute, um, and we'll have a prayer meeting after. Okay. Hi, Paul. Okay, girls, you guys want? Good seeing you. Hello, Mr. Burton, Mrs. Burton, Noel, Eric, Anthony, Wendy, Victor, Wendy. Yes, Jin. Hi, Hi. Julie, it's good seeing you. Albert, Hector. Hi, Okay, Leo. Oh, it's just going around. Seen it, and Eric, it's good seeing you. Uh, Edward. Oh, just logged off. Okay. Also, for the boys, are, are you guys okay? Next Friday, we try to have the Bible study uh, with the counseling booklet. Yeah, I think I think I should. I'll okay. Try. Okay. Hector? Uh, uh, we finish the Bible study on Friday? Oh, oh no, this is for the high schoolers. Sorry, this is Friday. Uh, th- uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Hui, it's good seeing you. Leo, could you make it? This is where you're calling people out that's in the dark, whether you're they're there or they, they just turn there and they went to eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs>